You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live, we live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. I haven't checked this morning, but I know that very soon we are going to be on Spotify. So if you use Spotify already... That could be another podcast app option for you. So go search this morning. We might be up there. We might not. But if not, we will be soon. I'm Doug Branson, uh, joined by the panel from the mean streets of Cotswold. He's been covering the Hornets since they were the Bobcats for AtTheHive.com. The man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. Great to be in. Hey, shout out to the Panthers, Doug, real quick. Just want to get that off my chest. (laughs) Season ended last night. It was a wild, wild run. They fought to the end. And uh, certainly an eventful season, but, uh, you know, shout out. Shout well, out listen, to- there's there's a lot to talk about in, in Panthers land, so make sure to check out Locked On Panthers with our man Bill Rossetti. Uh, hopefully he'll, he'll have uh, all of that for you uh, from, from a very interesting playoff matchup. And uh, from the capital city, we have uh, Nick Denning, who also covers the Hornets for AtTheHive.com. Nick, did you catch the Panthers game? I did. I did not like, which is actually probably a good thing. I like, kind of skipped through some of the meddling, just back and forth. It didn't really go anywhere. So, uh, but very, very surprised. Like, honestly, when I think they went down by like 31 to 19, I said, well, good effort, guys. And then, you know, hey, they, they had a shot to win. You can't, can't be upset. Well, that's been the you story. weren't alone. You weren't alone. Yeah. Uh, half of Twitter. So that's game. Yeah, yeah, well, that's been the story of the NFL playoffs is the road teams going down early. Uh, you saw that with Tennessee coming back uh, all the way and, and winning that ball game. Unfortunately, the, the Panthers fall short. And I know there's a lot of talk about referees, a lot of talk about Cam Newton. Should he have even been in the game? Oh, yeah, it was, it was his eye, to- according to him, right? Not his head. Yeah. It was an eye. Was it an eye? Was it a head? Who knows? Anyway, go check out Locked On Panthers. Hey, while while you were paying attention to the Panthers, all of a sudden the Hornets uh, got fun again. They got interesting again, and and most surprising of all, they did it uh, on the road. Uh, so the Hornets go three and one on their road trip with wins over Golden State, Sacramento, and the Los Angeles Lakers. The Hornets were one point five points per possession better on defense and nearly seven points better offensively. David, we'll start with you. Let's let's answer this question for people that may have been paying uh, attention to the Panthers or not paying as much attention to the Hornets right now. Why are they sure. suddenly better? Magic. Um, <laughs> well, I think, you know, we talked about it last week. This was an opportunity for them to play some teams that they really should beat. That no, We did not include the Warriors in that group, so that was – what got them off to a hot start on this road trip and really had a, had a perfect opportunity to go four and O on this road trip, letting that Clippers game get away from them. But, you know, if you look at just the stats based on the last four games, compare them to the season, you know, not a lot of huge changes, Doug, over the last four games, shooting 46% from the field, 44% for the season. Um, You know, the field goals attempted are up. So I think that was one of the things that stuck out to me, 92 and a half field goals attempted over that last four, just 87 for the season. 
And the three-pointers, averaging 30 attempts a game. I mean, that's one of the points that you brought up a couple of weeks ago, Doug, when they have uh, were really struggling with this three-point shooting. They have not shot the ball well at all this season. They have done that better um, over the last four games, but they're just getting more up. They're getting more attempts from three, and they're getting out and running a little bit more. So I think that's helped them score you know, at a, at a faster rate. But the schedule has lightened up. I mean, they, the, the Lakers games and the Kings games, and we can break them down individually if you guys want to. That's, those are two of more of the lopsided games I've seen this year. Uh, those two teams were just outmatched by the Hornets, and and they finally are starting to get some contributions from uh, Nick Batum on a little more consistent basis. So a little bit more of the Hornets we thought we might see, and we may see that some more because the schedule is going to – lighten up for them as they work their way through this season. Yeah, that wasn't the same Lakers team that the Hornets saw in Charlotte, and the Lakers did not get the contributions that they got from guys like Jordan Clarkson uh, that they did in Charlotte, uh, 3 of 10 in that last game, 1 of 5 from 3 for only 7 points, so that helped on the scoring front. Uh, Brandon Ingram played well, though, 10 of 18 uh, for 22 points, Um, but it just seemed like the Lakers were slow, they didn't have much legs. The Hornets were able to get out into transition, get out into the fast break, and and score effectively. So, Nick, David mentions increased three-point shooting. He also mentions uh, weaker competition. What have you seen in this Hornets team that has allowed them to accumulate not only some wins, but also some confidence? Well, the schedule, I think, is playing a part, but I just see a team that's moving the ball more. Um, and I really saw it against... Um, you know, in that second half against LA where you just, you suddenly saw them kind of playing with, with just with a sense of confidence. You can see it on their faces. They're just, they, they're, they're starting to figure things out. And, you know, we talk about Frank Kaminsky needing confidence to play well. I think this team as a whole needed it and seeing it from virtually everyone on the floor out there. Um, I mean, even I mean, let's, let's, let's like the, this one blew me away at one point. There was a, it was in the second half against LA, Michael Carter Williams pulls up, fadeaway, you know, mid-range jump shot, knocks it down easily like he'd been doing it all season. And I'm sitting and I'm just kind of wondering, is this the same team? Am I, if I, am I, you know, am I in a different dimension here, an alternate timeline? Because I've never seen him shoot a shot, any shot that confidently all season. Um, so I know that you can't really quantify confidence, but uh, that I think in a lot, in a lot of ways is helping them just play, not just, well, but I mean, score 130 against the Kings, score 111 against the Lakers, and just look like the better team throughout the entire game. Yeah, and to bounce off of that, Nick, uh, the the confidence thing, I think you can see that most when you look at the percentage that they shot around the rim. They've been missing so many bunnies this season, and it's not just Michael Carter-Williams missing layups. That's what you see on on Hornets Twitter all the time. But it's guys like Kimball Walker missing layups. It's Dwight Howard missing hook shots. It's a lot of shots not going down around the rim that you need to be competent offensively, especially when you're not taking a lot of three-point shots, right? When you're not when you're not one of those uh, space spacing kind of teams. You need those shots to go down around the rim. And on that road trip, uh, it did. Uh, it was Trevion Graham. It was Johnny O'Brien providing a lot of contributions off the bench around the rim. And then Lamb and MCW knocked down a layup, a contested layup at that in that Golden State Warriors game. <laughs> Um, but also, so th- those are easy shots that you have to make, but also they're getting out on the run. 
They are the ninth highest paced team in the league. They maintain that pace on the road and they turn sloppy ball handling and passing from the Kings and the Lakers, but also the Golden State Warriors into points. They uh, uh, averaged 16 fast break points per game on this road trip versus nine all season. They've begun the year getting out on the run, getting into transition, and getting easy points. We've talked about it in previous shows. This team is not the most effective team in the half court. Their offense is not extremely competent at moving the ball once the defense once the opposing defense is able to settle down and settle in, and the Hornets uh, getting out on the run is definitely a, a big uh, – it's a big change because they're not necessarily one that likes to get out into the fast break a ton in previous seasons, uh, but it's something that's working for them uh, right now. And then, uh, Nick, you mentioned moving the basketball. 25.3 assists averaging on this uh, road trip. They're averaging 20 assists overall this season, so they've definitely um, not. What well, and, and there's two parts to that, right? They're moving the basketball better, but also they're shooting the basketball better. Yeah. And so when shots yeah. go down, you get more, you get more assists. Uh, David, are you seeing anything defensively? Because they've they've been able. It's not necessarily that they're improving their defense, but they were able to maintain their defense uh, despite uh, getting up and down the floor more, creating more possessions. Yeah, I mean, again, competition, some of that, but I think Nick's point to just mentally staying locked in, I mean, that's the, been the biggest thing for them this season. Really, that's been the biggest thing you could point to right off the bat. You just, they have a quarter, you know, or a couple possessions where things, they just fall asleep and, and they don't stay locked in. And I think they're able to impose their will a little bit more in these games that you'll see. I mean, Lou Williams is obviously the outlier of these last four games because he yeah. went off for 40 points to get them against them and and they couldn't stop him i mean lou's going to do that to some teams um but they did have some struggles in that game uh stopping guys getting to the basket and defending and getting stops when they really needed to i mean that's the one thing that you look at from this road trip and say um maybe you know everything's not fixed just yet because they did have some struggles there and they should have beaten the kings and the lakers in the fashion in which they did so i, I think as as guys are getting back healthy. And I, I look at Nick Batum. I mean, you talked about confidence. He looks a lot more involved and a lot more confident to me, certainly on the offensive end. But if he's going to give you that on defense as well, I mean, that's going to help the the, uh, the team as a whole. And another guy that, man, has just had a quiet, strong season to me is, is MKG. I don't know what you guys are seeing out of him, but just watching him on this road trip, it's really looking like this is the guy that maybe we expected to see like two or three years ago, and it's finally coming around. I mean, he's, he's more yeah. confident on offense, but he's he's healthy now, and it really looks like when he gets that ball in transition especially, he's able to generate some of those offensive fast-break points just all by himself at times. And so I think he's always going to bring it on defense, but I think what he's given you across the board has been a big boost. Yeah, he's, he's less of a liability on offense. I mean, is, mm -hmm. he's still not going to be able to he's, – he's not shooting threes. But, you know, when, when I see him pull up for mid-range jump shots, you know, I'm at the point now where it's like, okay, I, I've seen this shot enough that I can actually expect it to go in more more so than yeah. not. But, you know, there are still a few that are, you know, like, wow, this is – that's a that's a tough shot. So, no, you're right. He does, he's playing – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just sorry. – like, they still got to cut down on him with the ball and late shot clock scenarios. Yeah. Like, he still doesn't yeah. need to be the guy taking that. Um, but when he picks his spots, you're right. It's much more consistent, certainly, than it has been over his career. Yeah. 
This is Locked On Hornets. Our boys got to go Cobra Kai. We got to go 80s villain defense. Grow a goatee. Do the uh, gladiators stab him real quick in the ribs before Have an the Eastern game. European accent. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Remember Steve Bob? He used to come on this show. We got to get him back on the show. What's going on? Just thinking that. Maybe one day. All right. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but this is the absolute best time of the year to get something framed. Whether it's a, a holiday gift that you got over Christmas, maybe a home decoration, or something for your bonus room, now is the time to get your framing done, and you have to get it done right with our friends at Frame Warehouse. We're proud to partner up with Frame Warehouse because they've been family-owned right here in the heart of Charlotte for over 35 years, and they have the guaranteed best price on every framing project. At Frame Warehouse, you can frame almost anything for next to nothing. If you can think of it, you can get it framed. We're talking about sports memorabilia, maybe some posters for your your office, maybe your kid's bedroom, some jerseys. The best part is that Frame Warehouse makes the whole process super easy, and I don't know about you, but I need easy. Frame Warehouse has framing experts that will walk you through the process and turn your project around quickly and for an amazing price. Don't let your prized possessions go undisplayed. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse at one of their six locations right here in Charlotte. Go to framewarehouse.net to find the one nearest you and tell them Locked On Hornets sent you and give them a go Hornets, go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. All right, back to this road trip. The Hornets go 3-1, and one, and boy, did they need it. I mean, this to me, this road trip really signaled the do-or-die moment for the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, had they gone 0-4 on this road trip, had they dropped all of these games, I think there was a legitimate argument to start to pull back the reins, right? To start to play the rookies more, uh, to play the veterans less, to get uh, Johnny O'Brien and Trevion Graham more time. They've been playing well, you know, to see them uh, uh, take on a a more significant bench role and to basically uh, slow this season down uh, uh, to uh, basically to a halt and, and, and regroup in the next off season. Uh, But they didn't do that. They, they went three and one on this road trip. And now I think with all of these home games coming up, they really have a legitimate shot to save this season. Yeah, do you agree or do. disagree with that? No, they yeah. do. And you look at Miami of last year. You remember that huge run that the Heat went on in the second half of the season, right? They didn't actually did not end up making the playoffs, of course. But that is what you point to when you say, you know, you, a team can get hot and, and turn it around. And right now they're closer to the eighth seed than they are to the last, <laughs> to the 15th seed All in right. the Eastern Conference standings. So that's progress. <laughs> I, think, I think they're up to 11th now, so that's good. Um I was going to make this point kind of in the last segment, but I think it carries over to like what we're, you know, this, this chance to capitalize on things. Uh, the bench as a whole is starting to play a little bit better. Um, like Kaminsky, Lamb are quietly putting in consistent nights in terms of scoring double digits. I think we said it on the show, but like they need to score about what, 25 combined. Did someone make that point? Am yes. I dreaming that? or No, that was, no, uh, you're not dreaming. That, that was, was me. Done. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's what I thought. Um, no, and that's, and I, you're seeing that you're, you're starting to see that a little bit more consistently. Um, yeah, they are, you got to few, you got to basically fuse them together. You got to fuse Lamb and Kaminsky together and that's right. your, your sixth man. There was some, you know, kind of a little bit of a talk of 
Jeremy Lamb as sixth man of the year early on, or or could they once he transitioned to the bench, could he become a sixth man of the year threat? And and that didn't really materialize. And I don't think that he's put together the type of performances that you would associate with six man of the year. Yeah, contention. I think Lou Williams is pretty much locking that up. But it's his award. It's it's the Jamal Crawford slash Lou Williams award. They're just gonna they're he's going to continue to win six man of the year after they make him the statue, right? (laughs) Um, but I think you can take Jeremy Lamb and fuse him together with Frank Kaminsky and have a really formidable sixth man in between those two players. Yeah. And that's what they're starting to to figure out now. There are some nights that Frank Kaminsky scores, scores your 15, your 17, and Jeremy Lamb adds 7 to 10, and then vice versa. Uh, against the Lakers, it was Lamb 7 of 13 for 17 points, and then Frank Kaminsky dropping in two three-pointers for 12 points and five rebounds. I mean, those are the kind of that, that's the kind of combined performance you need from those two consistently uh, and, and get some surprise contributions from Trevion Graham and Johnny O'Brien every now and then, at least yeah. until Cody Zeller returns. Yeah, Graham is, uh, Graham's, been, I think, been, he's helped that you know a little bit, you know, just because we, we know exactly what to expect from him. He's going to play, he's going to, you know, um, take three pointers. He's going to play good defense. He adds some toughness to that group. Um, who he also becomes guaranteed on Wednesday. I don't. Um, I saw that uh, earlier this weekend. So, uh, congrats Graham to Graham. Is, yeah, congrats mm-hmm. to Graham. He's about to mm-hmm. get paid. Um, but you know, I think like you brought this up too. Helping having Dwight Howard in that unit is helping a little bit as well. Maybe they go a little bit away from that once Zeller comes back. But um, you know, it's he's having him down there is I don't know. It, it seems to having be having a positive effect. Also, we haven't talked about the captain, Kimball Walker, uh, stealing yeah. and dealing in 2018, guys. Ten assists, two steals uh, against Sacramento. Had seven assists, four steals against uh, the Lakers. Start calling him Pawn Shop. He's stealing and dealing. Wow. Let's make it that happen. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm going to write that one into Eric Collins. Call him Pawn Shop. Uh, but despite that, this is a good segue into our next segment. Despite that, uh, the, those performances, uh, there are some, or maybe not, maybe not even despite that, maybe because of that, there are talks nationally picking up about trading Kimba Walker, the prospects of the Hornets uh, basically parting ways with their best player in franchise history, Tim Bontemps, the latest uh, for the Washington Post, writing an article on the prospects or circumstances upon which the Hornets should trade Kimba Walker. Others around NBA sports media have also been nipping around this idea. The first question I think we should answer, gentlemen, is why people are starting to entertain this question now. As Kemba continues to climb the Hornets record book books, why do you think that people are starting to pick up this talk now? Mm, I mean, the Hornets aren't very good, right? So, I mean, that's what people are looking at. They're trying to figure out what's going on with them at the same time, see a piece that other people might like, I think. And it's obviously Kemba, his deal is an outright, you know, steal right now. Um, That's obviously going to change, but he's also a top point guard in his prime. Um, And you always look at that, those type of guys and say, Ooh, who would like to add him? Where can he go to, you know, get some winning and, and and perform at a high level. Um, So I think that's part of it, you know, just looking at the Hornets aren't doing very well right now. What other moves do they have? as we've discussed, they don't have a lot of wiggle room. So that would be one way to they can change things up. 
Yeah, the I mean, Bontemps' whole like argument is that they are locked in so much financially that you know even if they're just they're not going to be able to really make dramatic changes next year. At least doesn't seem that way. So with this team, you know, seemingly towards the bottom of the league, you know, he's assuming that Walker will not be interested in, in a contract extension. Maybe right. he will, you know, maybe and that's, that's something we just don't know at this point. And um, so, yeah, who's going to give you the best value in return. It's Kemba Walker. It's not going to be any of these other big contracts. So, you know, I, I understand it. Um, and, and the, and the, the trade, or go, yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, I do mean to jump in. You can't argue with the math, right? Like, right. That is what that is. I can try. Are. I well, can give well, it my best shot. Well, yeah, I know <laughs> Doug can. Doug can argue with the math. But but my thing is, Take don't, that you think, don't you think Rich Cho and the Hornets knew this was coming, right? Like, Kemba's yeah. kind of an important guy. Well, and they've had him on a great deal for a while. Yes, no? they, they, well, yes, they knew this was coming. But at the same time, they didn't, they didn't anticipate – having to spin the wheels last season and then making that deal sure. for Miles Plumley, and then having to turn that deal into Dwight Howard, there was not an anticipation of having an extra $23 million uh, anchor on your on your books. So that part of it sort of there. went off the rails, and that's why they find themselves in the financial situation. I, to me, that's the number one reason why these – why these things are these talks are picking up now because these national guys look at the Hornets and they go, okay, they look at the record and say the Hornets want to win, yet they are not winning. Plus, they've got $117 million locked up this season. They're, mm-hmm. they're right on the tax apron. That apron is not moving very significantly next season. It's going to be about $123 million. And they virtually have $118 million locked up for next season. So there there really is they'll have the mid-level exception, but there really is no flexibility that allows them to acquire more talent and may and be under the tax. And so the question is do, will Michael Jordan and the rest of that ownership group want to go over the tax to sign Kimba Walker to an early extension and then as you guys mentioned, will Kimba Walker even want to sign that extension and continue uh, with this franchise that he, I mean, look, he's he's achieved a lot for this franchise. He's done a lot for this franchise. Will he look at his situation and go, okay, maybe maybe I need to go somewhere else with an opportunity to to be in contention for a championship? I think that yeah. uh, is is a very real possibility. Though we have uh, that's absolute speculation. We have no information at this point as to what uh, his intentions will be when that time comes. But he will be er- eligible for that early extension next season. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the teams that um, that Bontemps linked him with, New York, Indiana, makes sense. They 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 do lack kind of an all star caliber point guard. New York, I mean, has been kind of he's been he's been linked with New York since he entered the league. It seems, right. you know, so it's just get but, ready because that's going to happen right. with Monk too. If if Monk pops off, we're going to be dealing with this four years from now, and and the Monk to to the Knicks rumors. Will be all over the place if if Malik Monk uh, is, is, um, pull, pulls well, it out. I mean, what's his what's his New York connection? What's he wanted to go there. He wanted to go. Oh, yeah, he wanted, wanted to, to be there. in New York. He wanted to be drafted. <laughs> just, right. just was begging to be drafted by the New York Knicks. Well, um, Malik, there is a thing called restricted free agency. I'm sorry, but um, that's right. Doug, Doug, uh, the, the other the other thing Doug, the Doug, other thing, David, thing is that he's really yeah. their only asset that has a chance yeah. to return 
serious assets on the other end, right? I mean, that's a part of this. When you look at this yeah. team, he's their he's really their only trade piece. I mean, I think Monk, just being the young guy that he is, um, and we talked about a, a couple of specific situations for guys that may be able to be attractive, like a veteran guy like Marvin at the trade deadline for somebody looking to add some stretch shooting. But yeah, I mean, just on the face of it, I mean, Kemba's obviously the most prized possession there for sure. Um, so yeah, th- that's definitely going to lead into that. And, and Bon Tom's said like a lot of teams are going to be, or, or there'll be more teams than the Hornets that are in this position, right. That are not right. where they want to be that are up against it with the salary cap. And they're going to have to make some of these decisions. So I do think, I mean, if you guys looked at these salaries, cause like, you know, we, we know Dwight that falls off after next season. season. Right. And so a lot, and, and, and that's when Kimba reups as well. Lamb falls off, but he's only at 7 million. So it's not a big chunk right there. So, I mean, I just think, don't you think, if there's any other way to work this thing out, work it around and Kimball wants to be here, that feels like what they're going to do. I mean, or what they would want to have happen. Like they're going to find some other ways to either wiggle around this. It doesn't make sense to pay the tax and not be a team that's fighting for something. Um, that, that, that does make sense, but it just seems like this is going to be a last effort. If the whole, if the only thing is, Hey, we need to get under the tax, let's trade Kimba. That feels like it could have longer lasting effects than just you know getting out of financial trouble in the short term yeah because right. then you're still you're going to trade your best player and still probably win enough basketball games to to it's not yeah. like you trade Kimball Walker and suddenly you're you are an awful basketball team I don't think and yeah uh, and you it depends on what you would get back in that trade I guess and well that's the thing you don't get superstars don't get superstar value in return that's a, days, that's my right? question David and I want you to continue on this are, are do you think people are overestimating underestimating or are they dead on with what they think the hornets could get in a Kimba Walker trade deal and when I say people I mean I kind of there's a, there's multiple ways you can take this fans uh Tim Bontomps you know other people who are writing about this uh what what do you think about what they think the hornets could get for Kimba Walker it seems high to me. I mean, we've said that for a while. I don't see them getting a lottery pick. Um, you know, you would have to almost need a another young player plus a first-round lottery pick for it to be super enticing in my eyes. I, I think that seems a little high, but, you know, you don't look what Paul George got. Um, look what these teams are getting for legit superstars. Kimba is a star, so you're not going to see teams go all in just to get him back and, and give up a boatload. So it seems like there's a little bit of overestimation in my eyes right now, don't you think? Nick? Yeah, I mean, like just look at some of the trade returns for players. I mean, you know, whether they're like, – like some of these guys are in their prime. Some of them have a lot a lot more value than Kemba did, and, and the returns for them were not – you know, really that high. Yeah, Butler. Butler so, was a Butler was a swap pick plus Dunn and Levine. So there is there was young talent there, but it was it was troubled young talent. Now Dunn has surprisingly, or maybe unsurprisingly, to those that that know Minnesota and know Chicago, Dunn has turned things around. So that may be the sort of uh, the most optimistic situation where you do get some young talent that may have not worked out in their their present situation, but that that Charlotte is able to turn around into to really good assets. And maybe that's the one attractive thing about the the offer that Bontemps puts up from New York, where you get, you know, you get the New York first rounder, you get jo- Joakim Noah, who you, you know, that's just part of a the, the salary Oof, match. And brutal. then and then Frank Nilakina. And and you know, if they can get a young talent like Nilakina to to groom 
uh, that could be the the best case scenario for a type of trade with with Kemba Walker. But I I don't Why would think New York do that. Well, it, they wouldn't. But that's yeah, that, okay. again, that's not the point of, of putting these trades out. You don't put these trades out okay. because you assume that both teams will do it. You put it out because they are provocative. Uh, right. But I don't think that Kimba Walker on his own will get a first-round pick outright. I think it would be similar to a Jimmy Butler situation where it would be a pick swap. So. Yeah. I, I, so what does that do for you? you know? Well, exactly. But I, I don't. I, I just. I think there's a little overestimation about what Kimba Walker could drive in the in the open market. Um, but speaking of trades, we got this question from uh, Danny on Twitter: If Rich Cho had the opportunity to trade our first rounder to save this season, to if, if say let's uh, let's run out this hypothetical. So say the Hornets reel off five, six, seven, eight games in a row, and suddenly they're back into playoff contention and, and Cho could make one move to get some more shooting on this basketball team, get some more three-point shooting. If if uh, he would trade that first rounder, would that be worth it? Would it be better to stay with this ro- – or would it be better to stay with this roster for 2018 than risk future assets, David? So trading the first-round pick, getting a player back that's going to add something – only if that player is a significant significant impact player that's going to be around for more than a year. I mean, to yeah. me, they've missed on so many things in the draft, but they have to use those draft picks to add young talent. And so if it's an older veteran or something, you know, that's just going to be here for like half a season, then no, I don't think that's worth it. They're not going to get to the level of Boston or, or Cleveland right now. Um, so I'm keeping that draft pick in my back pocket because they don't have enough. They don't have the assets right now. And that's, what, that's, that's another thing people value that they don't have to deal with right now. Nick. Yeah. The only, um, only way I'd entertain that is if they attached a big salary, like they sent us big salary with the pick because they had mm-hmm. like, because yeah. that even like, even if the guy they bring back, you know, whether he's signed through next season or not, like they, they're going to, have to have some financial flexibility and, and if they just trade away a first round pick, I mean, I, I can't see it just being that, um, you know, as we just said, they're, they're so cap tied for next season that it's just going to push them over. Um, yeah. So yeah, this player would have to really be a significant upgrade and they'd have to work it financially, which I think that that would mean, you know, saying, Hey, here's Marvin Williams. Here's Michael Kibilchrist, you know, or someone but, who's, but that's it. exactly it. Yeah. Nick. See, I, I agree with you that the only way that I would entertain an offer for anyone uh, for that first round pick is if it, if, if, if the Hornets could attach a, another contract to clear up some space for next season. But the problem with that is you, you can't do that with Dwight Howard because uh, Howard, it just it, there, there's too much that another team would have to do to integrate him into the into the offense and defense. So so that really wouldn't work. And twenty three million dollars is a lot of money. So there would be a lot of matching. Uh, just it would be too difficult, I think. Nick Batum, same situation. Hasn't been playing well enough. Would be tough to attach him to any deal. Marvin Williams has been one of the only players that you can count on for consistent three point shooting. So while right. moving that contract because of his age seems sensible. It would really like if you're trying to improve your three point shooting, you don't want to move Marvin <laughs> Williams. Uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist has been as 
David has pointed out early in the show, has improved his offense, but also is a key cog in this defense. His defense has significantly improved from last season. Part of that is, I think, Dwight Howard, but part of that also is he has a season under his belt now where he's been fully healthy. He knows how to play that way and has made, I think, some small adjustments to play a little bit more aggressive and and you've seen some improvements on his defense. And then Cody Zeller, again, he's been injured. So there's no way you can attach him to a deal. So there's no really there's no scenario that I can envision where they could move their first round pick and attach a big contract to clear up space for next season. So in so the only other instance would be trading their first round pick and adding money, which the Hornets, that's like the one thing they don't need to do at this point is add money. So to answer Danny's question, I think at this point they have to ride with what they have and hope that they can get continued improvements offensively from Nick Batum, that that Dwight Howard stays as engaged as he is right at this moment, that Kimball Walker's shooting improves, uh, and that you continue to get those contributions from Jeremy Lamb and Frank Kaminsky off the bench. And uh, Cody Zeller, his return uh, will be, I think, a big boost to the defensive side of the ball for that bench and their schedule as David mentioned earlier in the show, is lightening up. And we're going to cover that for you all this week. Uh, they've got a game against Dallas on Wednesday. Dallas is is struggling to win basketball games, uh, unfortunately, for uh, the end of Dirk Nowitzki's career. You've got Utah coming up. Utah, despite all of the highlights that you see from Donovan Mitchell, they're not sure. playing well at all. Uh, they're like one of the worst teams in the league over the past 15 games. So that's another winnable basketball game for the Charlotte Hornets. And then Oklahoma City after that, they've shown they can beat that team. So if the Hornets can take this confidence that they've built on the road, 3-1, and one, and, and there's still a belief in that locker room that, that they can uh, get this team into playoff contention, as long as they keep that. And they, I think they're, they're going to be a dangerous team these next few weeks, these next few pivotal weeks that they have uh, so many games at home. It will be very interesting to watch. Uh, David and Nick, final words as we close the show out. We'll start with David. Yeah, I mean, that, keep an eye on that schedule, guys, because it is absolutely unreal, the difference in, in, in power teams coming into this building. You mentioned the Jazz, the Thunder. And uh, you look at that second week of, or I'm sorry, the last week of uh, January, you got the Kings, Pelicans, Hawks all at home. And that's an opportunity to get three wins right there. So I don't think the fight's done with this team yet. I think they're really, uh, maybe that road trip bonded them in some way. And uh, hopefully it'll be fun to watch down the stretch here. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of getting getting back into it, it's it, this, is, this is asking, I think, fairly a lot, but it's kind of what the state is. If they can win, you know, they take it in four game chunks, kind of like they just did, and they win three of four, you know, of, of each four game stretch. Um, they can pull themselves back into this thing. And, you know, like you said, David, they're closer to the eight seed than they are to the 15 seed. Um, you know, if, if that eight seed or whoever is in that eight seed starts to slide a little bit, that, you know, that gap closes a little bit. You know, if, if they're within, what, two and a half games by the end of January, this thing is is back on. I mean, just full on back on. So, um, yeah. And honestly, it could be important for keeping Kimball Walker around. Yeah. Because if if this team falls completely out of playoff contention, if if this, we know Kimball Walker is not going to give up. But if if there is a a let up uh, in this season and they completely fall apart and fall out of playoff contention, I think it's going to be tough, tougher 
to justify to Kimball Walker that this franchise is moving in the right direction and a direction that he wants to to continue in. Uh, so, so a lot on the line for the Hornets in these next couple of weeks. You want to make sure that you're tuned in here to the podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, maybe. At least, at least by next week, I, I imagine we'll be on Spotify. Uh, so check us out there. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnHornets. Subscribe to us uh, and, and tell a friend. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back all this week with analysis on your Charlotte Hornets. For David and Nick, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.